following message is from the North Shore Christian Center MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Center is available at www.nscc.org.au. Everybody wants to have a good life. You want to have a good life. I want you to have a good life. But sometimes it doesn't work out that good. And so what I want to do today is that I want to give you the principles on how you can have the best life. I just want to share with you some secrets that I've learned that if you apply these, I guarantee your life will be better. How many of you want a better life? You want, so it's not too late. Don't sit there and say, John, I'm too old to have a better life. No, you're not. While there's still breath in your, li- in your lungs, you can do it better. And, and so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to John chapter 10, verse 10, because this is the promise that I want you to get hold of. Because, oh, Serge is surging out. See you later, Serge. Hey, Josh, how you doing, mate? You still strong? Huh? Isn't it great to see that miracle? Look at that boy. He's a miracle. He is a walking miracle. Come on, run up the front for me, Josh. Run up. I want to see you running. Come on, Josh. Come on, Josh. Oh, come on. Give me five. Tell me, tell me how, how are you feeling? Great. Are you, are, now, what new things are you doing since you got healed? Uh, I went back to gymnastics. Are you, what, what new things can you do gymnastically? Show us some things that you can do. Come on. Okay, here we go. Everybody have a look at this. Here we go. Oh, wow. Can, can you do that handstand for me? How do you? You, the hands where well, you do the push-ups on your hand. What, what was the one? That yeah, try try that one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I taught you to do. <laughs> what? Isn't that awesome? That is just awesome. Now, how impossible was that for you to do before you got healed? Impossible. Yeah, that was a good question, wasn't it, John? That, <laughs> There you go. I just closed the door on that one. But I'm just so thrilled to see this young man just healed and going strong for God. And that was just with the John Mellor meetings. This young man came to the front in tears because of juvenile arthritis that riddled his body. He could hardly walk, let alone do what you saw him do today. And still, you know, what are we talking about? Three weeks, four weeks later? Oh, you saw the doctor? What did... can you tell me what the doctor had to say? Um, uh, or do you want your parents to tell me? Okay, come on down, parents. How many of you are excited about this? Is this? I love this. This is totally spontaneous. This is unrehearsed. Joe, what happened? What did the doctor say? Two weeks he saw uh, the specialist, and um, he, uh, his conclusion was, um, ours is not to question how or why, um, was his ultimate conclusion. He just could not explain what was going on. Um, and he gave Joshua a full inspection, um, and he was just kind of his eyebrows were just getting higher and higher while he threw this 15-minute examination. And then he'd assumed that Joshua was still on drugs. And so at the end of the consultation, he goes, "So Josh, what do we do with your drugs?" And I saw Joshua's like blood drained from his face, going, "How do I answer this? I haven't been on it for a month." And the doctor just looked at us and went, "What's going on here?" <laughs> and so totally, I mean, the doctor said, "Okay, we're going to keep going along with this experiment." Is what he called it. And so he just, you know, can't explain it, but we're just really just happy. 
The experiment is Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is the experiment. Come on, give him a great big hand of praise. God bless you, Josh. Woohoo, I love that. Wow, that is awesome. And you know what? There are more of these to come. And if you need a miracle today, at the end of the service, we're going to be praying for you. We really are. I, I really believe there's a powerful anointing upon Sonia. She, when she got up here to speak at communion, there was just an absolutely awesome anointing. This lady prays and fasts how many days a week? She prays and fasts three days a week. And uh, there's a powerful anointing upon her. So at the end of this service, don't leave without receiving prayer if you need a miracle. Now, have you found John chapter 10? That's good. Some of you have been searching the scriptures to find. Here it is. John chapter 10, verse says this. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. How many of you had things stolen from you, killed in your life and destroyed in you? How many of you have had some stuff stolen from you? Let me tell you, that does not, that's not God at work there. That's the thief. The Bible is very clear that God does not do that sort of stuff. But let me tell you what God does. Because Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. See, God's will for your life is that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's God's will for your life. It's not, God's, it's not God's will for stuff to be destroyed and, 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 and hashed and mashed and, and just ripped out of your life. That's not God's will. God's will is that you might have life, but not just any old life, but a more abundant life. That word abundant, when you do a word study in the original language in which the, bio, in the New Testament was written, which is Greek, is a word which means over and above. Jesus came that you might have an over and above life. Then it goes on and it says, a more than enough life. Not just an enough life, but a more than enough. How many of you know that he's the God of the more than enough? And that's what the Greek word abundant means. And I love that. It's actually, in, for us to get the true meaning of the word, it's super abundant. For God has come that we might have an absolutely super duper, super abundant life. And if you're not having a super abundant life, then this message is for you. This message is in order for you to have a great life. You say, but John, how do I get a life like that? Well, look, for me, it's, it's pretty simple. First of all, you've got to get Jesus into your life. Everybody say Jesus. See, I, I come from one perspective and one perspective only. And that perspective is Jesus. You want an abundant life. You've got to get Jesus into your life. He's got to be the Lord of your life. He's got to be the center of your life. That's where it starts. And then it moves on to becoming obedient and submissive to Jesus. See, when Jesus comes into your life, He wants total obedience. And it comes from an understanding that if I submit to Him, that's the best thing that I can do. See, see, you, you've got you've to serve, you've got to obey, you've got to stick to something in life, a philosophy or a set of rules or whatever. Everybody's got to do that. But I've discovered, and there's a lot of people in this room that have discovered, that being obedient to Jesus will give you the best life. 
And then the third thing that you've got to do is embrace change. And I'm going to give you a quote that is probably the most profound quote that you'll hear all day. Are you ready for this? Without change, nothing changes. I knew you would find that profound. I knew you would find that incredibly deep. But for some of you that missed it, I'm going to say it again. Are you ready? Without change, nothing changes. You got that? Now, some of you are going to write it down. Some of you are going to make big posters of that because it is incredibly profound. Without change, nothing changes. Now, the problem with a lot of us is that we hate change. <laughs> we hate change. I was visiting Rocco's place the other day, and Rocco's got a little dog called Lucy. And Lucy hates change. So, so if anyone comes to the door, Lucy starts barking. Because it's one extra person in the house and it's changed the equilibrium. If someone gets up to leave, she starts barking because the equilibrium is something's changing. She just hates change. And I thought, you know what? There's a lot of people like Rocco's dog, Lucy. They just start barking when things change. And I want to say to you that in order for you to have a better life, some things need to change. Now, let me give you two principles in making a better life. Number one is you've got to accept the things that cannot be changed. There are some things that can't be changed and you've got to accept them. And you know what I find? I find a lot of people try to change the things that can't be changed instead of changing the things that can be changed. So can I tell you a few things that can't be changed? You can't change your age. I know some of you are trying. I know some of you are lying. But you can't change your age. So accept your age. Now, you can, fight, you can change the way that you look. You can change your hairstyle. You don't have to have, guys, you don't have to have the same hairstyle for 50 years. You can change. I changed my hairstyle just, just for, how many of you can see the new hairstyle that I've got? say John it just looks the same <laughs> well it's the best I can do with what I got you can't change your past how many of you know that you just can't change your past that's one thing that you can't you can't change your past you can't change your background you can't change your family of origin you just can't change what's happened yesterday you can't change what happened five minutes ago you can't change anything that's happened in the past. So quit trying to change the past. But you can change the future. You can change the present. But you can't change the past. Here's another thing that you can't change. You can, and, and, and we try to do this all the time. We can't change other people. Hello? You can't change your husband. You can't change your wife. You can't change your kids. And you say, what? I don't believe that. I'm telling you now, you can't do it. They can change, but you can't make them change. You say, oh, you better wait. Watch me because I know how to make them change. You know, let me tell you, the, the worst thing that you can do, if, if you're getting married, don't, in, don't even try to think, once we get married, I'll change him. 
that is wrought with danger. It ain't going to happen. But you can change yourself. So stop trying to change the person next to you because that's outside of your power. But it's an amazing thing that when you start changing yourself, it's an amazing thing how the world around you starts to change. Here's another thing you can't change. Maybe you haven't thought about this, but I thought about it. I've been thinking about this all week. What are some of the things I can't change? You know, it was, it was a big, it was actually incredible reflections. And here's another thing I can't change, and that's the will of God for my life. I can't change it. I can rebel against it. I can run away from it. But I can't change the will of God for my life because he put that together before the worlds were founded. He put his will for my life. He wrote it in a book. And not only that, but he actually placed into my life the DNA and the gifts in order to fulfill the will of God in my life. And so stop fighting it and start submitting to it. Stop trying to use someone else's life as your gauge for the will of God and start finding the will of God for your life because it's one of the greatest things that you can discover is what is God's will for my life. Anyway, let me tell you the things that you can change because I think that's probably where we need to focus this morning. What are some of the things that you can change? Well, probably one of the most important things that you can change is your attitude. Get rid of bad attitudes. That's something really important for you to change. If you want to have a better life, you won't have a better life if you're just an angry person. Bad attitudes. It's a wonderful thing that as soon as you start to get a good attitude, life starts to change for you. And you can adopt that. Everybody say, I am going to be a good attitude person. <laughs> you sound so convincing. <laughs> I'm going to be a good attitude person. Because <laughs> oh, the pastor told me to say it. And then some of you weren't going to say it anyways. <laughs> yes, I'm not going to say it. Bad attitude. That's what I'm talking about. Got to have a good attitude. Forgiveness is an attitude. Unforgiveness is an attitude that you can change. So I'm not going to forgive. Well, you've made the choice. You're not going to forgive. And so then you have the attitude of unforgiveness. And you can go through life with a bad attitude. And it's going to impact you. It's going to affect you. And it'll stop you having a better life. Anger. Stop being angry. It's an attitude. And it'll stop you having a great life. Angry people don't have a good life. Matter of fact, if you find an angry person, how many of you want to hang out with them all the time? Oh, I can't wait to hang out with that angry person. I've got to take him out to lunch. Oh, I've got to go on holidays with them. I've got to spend three weeks with an angry person. Woohoo! It's going to be great fun. You run a mile from angry people. How many of you want happy people, good attitude people? Well, you become like that, and people will seek you out. Here's another one, negative relationships. That's something that you can change. You can change, and you need to change the, the relationships that are negative and destructive in your life. What, 
The people that you've got in your life, are they building you up or tearing you down? Because don't, don't surround yourself with people that tear you down. Put boundaries around yourself to protect yourself from people. Every time you get with them, it takes you three weeks to recover. What is that? You know, you can change how you interact with... You can't change them, but you can change how you interact with them. And some of you need to read a book called Boundaries by Henry Cloud and, and be able to learn how to put boundaries around bad relationships that are just constantly tearing you down and stopping you from having a, a, a happy, prosperous life because someone's just ripping at you all the time, just clawing at you all the time. And you've got to put some fences and boundaries around your life where you don't let them in to destroy your life. Something's got to change because without change... Nothing changes. Here's something else that can change is the destructive habits in your life. Now, folks, every single one of us, including me, we all battle habits. There are things in our lives that we battle with. And we've got to address and, 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 and actually attack anything that's destructive in our lives and work out a plan how to overcome because destructive habits only destroy you and bring you down. And, and you've got to want a better life and say, okay, I've got to change some things. Well, let's look at some destructive habits. And then the fourth thing that I want to just point out that we can't change, and then I'll move into some principles that will help you change, is separation from God. We've got to change that. Separation from God is not the will of God, and you've got to change that so you can be united with God. One of the greatest things that you can be doing is just getting closer and closer to God. And the direction that you're in, is it getting you closer to God, or is it getting you further away from God? Because you can never truly have a fulfilled, contented, happy life without being united with God. He makes you whole. Without God, you actually have a hole in your life. You were not created to be separated from God. You, a human being can never fully be at their most complete without being united with God. Matter of fact, God made us in such a way that he places a longing within our heart. There's this longing, and we don't even know what the longing is for. We just know it's a longing for something. I think it was Pascal that called it the God-shaped void. He placed that within us, this God-shaped void that we look to fill, we look to fulfill, and we're searching, and we never truly find contentment and happiness until we find the God that fits the God-shaped void. And He's the creator of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, who sent His Son to die upon the cross for our sins, that if we believe in Him, we will not perish but have everlasting life. Now, can I share with you three principles that will help you make the changes that are so important for you to make? And these three principles, are, I reckon if there's ever a message that's important for you to grab hold of, it's this message. What I'm going to say next can literally has the power to change life. What I'm going to say next is found in the Bible. Matter of fact, let's read it in the Bible because... And, and, and it is just so powerful and so amazing that it is found in probably the most quoted story in the whole New Testament. These three principles 
are found in the story of the prodigal son. Who's heard the story of the prodigal son? How many of you have heard it at least a thousand times? But it's powerful because in this story are the three principles of life. Now what's interesting, a few years ago, we actually had a professor of psychology in this church. And he had done a PhD on psychology. And he said, John, these three principles are actually the three principles that are involved in my doctorate in psychology. And what I discovered is this, is that what I'm going to share with you right now is actually a three-year university course, and you're going to get it in 10 minutes. And people that, that, that understand human behavior and bringing change into human behavior understand that these are the three principles that actually bring change in human behavior. How many of you want to know these three principles now? Have, 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 have I prepared it enough for you to grab, want to be hungry for it? Because it's found in the parable of the prodigal son. And I want to read the parable to you so that we can draw out the three principles. I'm going to read it from verse 17 to verse 20 because you all know the story so well. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, what was this? You know the story, the prodigal son left father's house, went on his own. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. So you know the story, the prodigal son, he started off in father's house, he had all the blessings of home, had the love of the father, had the provision of the father, had the protection of the father, had all that was necessary, decided, "I, I, I want to have my inheritance now, and he went off into the world, and he spent all that he had on loose living. And in verse 17, it says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? So he'd spent it all. He was living in a pig pen, feeding pigs, eating the pig food. How many of you think that's a great way to enjoy life? Yeah, in the pig pen, eating pig food. Great way to enjoy life. And so he realizes, oh no. Then he says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. I want to stop it there. Because you know the way the story finishes. The father accepted him, restored him and everything. But what I want to do here is give you the three principles that will help you change. And the first principle is realization. Everybody say realization. What happened to the prodigal son? It took him ages. But in verse 17, he finally realized where he was truly at. He didn't realize it before, but he was away from father. He was away from home. He was away from the will of God. He realized where he was at. And you cannot change until there's a realization of where you are truly at. And with a lot of people, they won't admit where they're truly at. They will pretend that they're somewhere else. They will pretend that they're in wonderful land, when in actual fact their life's a hellhole. But they'll try to cover it all up with all sorts of fantasies. And you can't change if you don't come to realization. Matter of fact, there is no need to change if you don't realize that there's something wrong. Why would you? Why? And and this is the problem with a lot of people. We know that they're unsaved. But they don't know that they're unsaved. 
We know that they're perishing, but they don't know that they're perishing. We know that they're on their way to hell, but they don't know that they're on their way to hell. And some of you were there until one day a realization happened. One day something happened. Your eyes were opened. Oh, I see where I'm at. I know where I'm at. Realization is the first step in change. And without realization, nobody changes. Matter of fact, if you ever work with alcoholics, you can't help an alcoholic until they realize they're an alcoholic. You can't help a gambler unless they realize I'm a gambler. If an alcoholic just says, well, everybody has a drink. Come on, eh? just every now and then just enjoy a drink. You can't help them until they realize, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a gambler. I'm this or I'm that. One of the greatest realizations that a human being can make is, I'm lost. I'm away from God. My sins have separated me from God. My sins have offended God. I'm not a good person. I'm a sinner separated from God. My friends, that's our prayer that you might realize that. And I know there are people watching this on television that are feeling offended that I'm praying for you to realize that. But all I'm praying for is that you would come to the first step of connection with God. And the first step in connection with God is to realize that you've offended God, whether you've meant to or not is irrelevant. You have offended God. And you're away from God. And then you can start your journey. You can go to point two, which is revelation. You go from realization to revelation. And this is what happens in verse 18 to 19. The prodigal son gets a revelation. I know where I'm at, but this is where I should be. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So here it is, is revelation. This is where I'm at, but this is where I should be. And what a chasm there is between where I'm at And where I should be, what a wonderful thing to get a revelation of the next step. What a wonderful thing it is to get a revelation of the will and purposes of God for your life. What a wonderful thing it is to get a revelation of what God has in store for you. What a wonderful thing it is to get a revelation, a vision of what God wants to do in your life. Oh, to get the vision of what the better life is. Because what happens with a lot of people is that they start, they they get the realization they're in the wrong place. But then they don't get the revelation of what the right place is. And so they start their search. And some of you might have started your search and it's led you to the new rage. Or it's led you to the occult. Or it's led you into another rotten relationship. And you end up going from one bad relationship to another one. 
And the new one, when you first meet that person, oh, I'm in love. This person here will satisfy all the desires of my heart, only to find they were worse than the first person. See, one of the tricks of the enemy is just to get you wandering around in the wilderness. Once you realize, I'm lost, I'm sad, I'm not having a good life. He gets you wandering around searching, but you're searching in the wrong direction. You're searching for the wrong things. You're going to the clubs. You're going to the, to, to, to the nightclubs. You're going to the, the places where God isn't there. And where God is not, you will not find God. And what revelation is, is actually finding the God thing for your life. It's the God step. It's the God purpose. It's God's will for your life. One of the greatest things that you discover is that God loves you. He's for you. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He doesn't want to leave you in the wilderness, but wants to show you what the next step is. That's called revelation. God wants to give it to you. Just as he gave it to the prodigal son, when he got realization of his lostness, he got revelation of the right place to be. What am I doing in this pig pen? What am I doing in this, in this smoldering sin fest that I'm in? I need to go to father's home. I need to get back to the place where even the servants are living a good life. Even the servants are living a better life than me. What am I doing? And he got the revelation and he got the dream and he began to see the divine possibility. He began to see the God vision, the God dream for his life, the God purpose for his life. He understood, I'm here, but I should be there. And then here's the third principle and I'm going to finish with this. It's reorganization. You start with realization. You move to revelation. And then you move to reorganization. And reorganization is simply working out, how do I get from here to there? Because I've got to change something. I've got to move something. I've got to do something. I just can't wish it and flick my fingers and all of a sudden, whew, I've made the shift. No, no, there's, there's some reorganization to take place. There's some stuff that you've got to let go of. There's some stuff that you've got to grab hold of. There's some reorganization you need to do in your life. You need to reorganize your journey. You need to reorganize your pilgrimage. You need to reorganize your direction so you start moving in the right direction can i just say to you that at a time like this you need a godly person just to help come alongside of you you need a godly person to help you someone that's got what you want someone that's been there someone that's done the journey that can actually walk it with you and show you what the next step is and open up the avenue for you there's a road. Where's that road leading? And what the prodigal son, for him, he knew the road back. He'd been there. He knew what he had to do. He knew where he was. He knew where he should be. And he knew the way back home. And I love verse 20 because verse 20 just defines reorganization. And he arose and came 
to his father. Friends, you don't go to the father without arising and changing something, without reorganizing something. And friends, when you find in the Bible any person whose life changed, you find that they did three things. They had the, revel- they had the realization, then they had the revelation, then they had the reorganization. I love Bartimaeus. He's a classic example of this person. He, he has the realization, I'm blind and Jesus is in town and he's the healer of the blind. And he got a revelation of, of, of what it would be like to have Jesus touch him and heal him. And so he starts crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus calls him and he starts this journey towards Jesus. He starts to reorganize himself. He lets go of the beggar's clothes. He lets go of the things that he marked him as a beggar, a blind one at that. And he makes his journey to Jesus where he gets touched and he's never the same again. From that moment on, he follows Jesus. Zacchaeus is another illustration in Luke chapter 19 where you've got this very, very wealthy man, but also incredibly lost. He climbs up into a sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, Jesus sees him and says, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your place. Can I come to your home? And Zacchaeus realizes I'm lost. I've got everything this world has to offer, but I'm still empty on the inside. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, can I come into your life? Can I come into your home? He gets the revelation. Maybe that's what I need. Maybe I need Jesus. And when Jesus comes into his home, he starts to reorganize everything. And he starts to say, listen, I've stolen from people. I'm going to give back. Everything that I've taken dishonestly, I'm going to give back. If I know anyone that I've defrauded, I'm going to go give back four times. And Jesus says, surely this day, through your reorganization, salvation has come to your home. Friends, Paul the apostle used to be Saul of Tarsus. He had exactly the same three things. He had the the realization. He had the revelation and then finally the reorganization. And can I say to you that that is the key to bring change into your life. Will you begin one day to realize, I need to change something. What I'm doing isn't what I want to do. It's not bringing me the joy. What is it that I need to do? That's what I need to do. Now, how do I need to reorganize myself? to get from where I am to where I want to be. And if you can do those three things, your life will get better. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 